Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to have Sylvie Beljanski joining us today. Uh, Sylvia is somebody who I now consider a friend and a colleague, somebody who um, has an incredible, fascinating past and is um, doing revolutionary work today in furthering scientific research for cancer, specifically natural solutions for cancer. Uh, Sylvia is a French lawyer by trade. She's a holistic health advocate. And she is a member of the Holistic Leadership Council and the author of the award-winning book titled Winning the War on Cancer. She's the founder of the, Bel the Beljansky Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I'm also very honored to be on the board of directors of, where we conduct scientific research into natural plant extracts to determine their anti-cancer and their health-promoting properties. Uh, she started the foundation back in 19... 99 to further her father's cancer research. Uh, this October, together, Sylvia and I have partnered through the Beljansky Foundation and uh, my company, Healing Life, to produce the first ever Beljansky Integrative Cancer Conference. It's a really powerful weekend conference, bringing together hundreds of people from around the world to learn from over two dozen of the top cancer experts on the planet. The conference will be a life-changing experience infused with music and entertainment, medicinal movement, comedy, fundraising, inspiring presentations, cutting-edge anti-cancer education and technologies, vendors, and much more. You can learn more about it and get your in-person tickets. If you're coming to Jacksonville, Florida, highly recommend coming in person. Um, or you can live stream it. All those tickets are available at integrativecancerconference.com, integrativecancerconference.com. And, uh, yeah, just super excited, Sylvia, to have you here on the podcast. Um, Thank you. You know, there's so much to talk about. And you have been helping move forward this really important conversation backed by science and the health advocacy of natural and holistic and integrative solutions for cancer for a long time. Um, and really it started with your father, right? I mean, he was really the inspiration for you to do the work that you do now. Yes, indeed. Uh, he was a molecular biologist. Uh, he was working in Paris, France at the Pasteur Institute. And he was really at the forefront of this movement back in the 80s. Uh, to look at uh, natural solutions rather than just drugs that can be patented to find a solution to cancer. He was also, also one of the first scientists to consider that cancer was not just a genetic uh, disease, 
and that there were other causes than just a random mutation that could induce cancer. Of course, mutation can occur and that happens sometimes, but it's only 7 to 8% of cancers who result from just a genetic mutation. Everything else comes from a disturbance, a toxicity of our environment and environment at large. Uh, everything that we breathe, eat, but also our emotions, everything can uh, as disturb our DNA. And my father made really the, uh, the link he made the observation, the scientific observation, the scientific measurement between destabilization of the DNA and cancer. He made the observation that for every cancer, whether it is a plant, an animal, a human, you have this destabilization of the DNA, meaning the two strands of the DNA uh, are not kept together as they should, in a nice uh, ellipse, but they are distorted, have big loops. And it is inside those big loops that replication hormones engulf themselves and that lead to a increased duplication of cancerous cells. So that's really the hallmark of cancer. Then my father went on to say, well, how can we fight that? Is there ways to um, prevent this kind of thing to happen once he has had understood what was going on. And he looked at natural solutions and he found a number of natural solutions, which he studied extensively uh, to, uh, and was able to, to show that there are na natural compounds out there which are available and not too expensive and uh, are able to fight cancer cells, different kinds of cancer cells. It doesn't matter if it is man, woman, uh, if it is prostate, breast, uh, ovarian, pancreatic cancer, uh, and able to do that without toxicity and also showing a nice synergy of action with a number of chemotherapies. So he, he spoke at large about those uh, those compounds, got the interest of a number of French doctors, and uh, more and more people in France started to take those, those products. And at, at some point, the French uh, president, François Mitterrand, uh, back in the in the early 90s, started to take those products and against all odds was able to finish his second term, although he had been diagnosed with advanced prostate cancer. And the surgeon uh, said that, had said that he was not going to finish his second term and he was, I mean, the country should prepare for uh, early elections and against all odds, Mitterrand finished his second term. So uh, that uh, really brought my father's work uh, under the, the radar and scrutiny of the government, of uh, official people who really did not like the idea that it was kind of official recognition of natural medicine. And uh, soon after the passing of Mitterrand, finally, uh, they sent a SWAT team to destroy my father, destroy his laboratory, destroy every evidence of this work and how this work could make a difference 
in people's lives. And that's, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, so for people, sorry, for people who don't know, your father is Mirko Beljansky. Uh, that may, that name may ring a bell for some people. Um, if you've looked into his work at all or, or his story, if you look him up, it's funny because if you look up his career on, on Wikipedia, he has a really small Wikipedia page and they basically just say, yeah, he found these natural plants that were helping fight against cancer. He believed that they were better than the drugs. Even the French politicians, you know, were starting to support him or whatever. And then he was forced, here's what they say, he was forced to an, to a retirement or to an early retirement, something like that. And yeah. and then they say, you know, and then he then they say he died of cancer in nineteen uh early early nineties, right? And that was it. That's yeah. all they say about that whole thing. It's like a few paragraphs well, and that's it. Well Wikipedia is well known. If you look at several uh, several figures, important figures in the realm of natural medicine, they all have uh, as, uh, extensive negative pages or uh, small neutral pages at, at best. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't like anything natural. I don't know if they have big donors uh, in the pharmaceutical com within pharmaceutical companies. I don't know exactly how it works, but the result is there. They don't like natural medicine, and you don't, you would not find a positive page uh, on for for natural medicine luminaries. On, uh, on Wikipedia. So actually having a neutral page, uh, <laughs> short is kind of achievement. <laughs> right. That's right. It's like, it, it's, it's crazy. I'm going to look up and see if I can find out how many pharmaceutical companies donate to Wikipedia on a regular basis, uh, because I would not doubt it, uh, that all of them do, but, um, you're saying the, the, the full story is the French government sent in a SWAT team to yes, his the, laboratory. The SWAT team. It was crazy with dogs, helicopters. I mean, li like if it was a big, big operation. And uh, the, the entire thing was a secret, secret, of, a secret of defense operation. So it was very difficult to have all the, all the information. Everything was censored. It's only because... I have a background as a lawyer uh, that I was able to access the defense file. And uh, that's where I saw an order to destroy all evidence before trial. And there so was you, no. So you read the, so you read the order. You actually read the order. You I saw the order. To destroy I, all the evidence. And who wrote, who, who wrote this order? Who did yes. it come from? And uh, an official uh, police officer in charge of of the inquiry. So the order came from him, but it, you don't you the don't know who you don't orders. know who the upper person was that ordered them. Who to gave do him the order? Absolutely. absolutely. You don't know. Absolutely, know. absolutely. And uh, but that's what started me. Uh, and uh, I, as, as a lawyer, said, "What?" Are they why are they trying to destroy the evidence? What is the cover-up here? And then that's when you want to start digging and understanding, of course, 
what 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 happened and uh, that's where i started to understand the importance of my uh, my father's discoveries and i felt that they belong to the world and uh, that has to be uh, saved and i started this non-for-profit here in New York in 99 to carry on with his legacy. And at the beginning, the idea was just to get confirmation, scientific confirmation uh, of this work. After all, I mean, science is all about reproductibility. You have uh, scientific results are only valid if you can reproduce them. And uh, over the years, and we were very lucky, we were able to work with academic institutions like uh, Columbia University, Kansas University Medical Center. We had a clinical trial with uh, uh, cancer, um, cancer, American cancer. Society? Society? Uh, No, no, no. Uh, um, A big chain of hospitals, uh, whatever. uh, and uh, we, we have been working with a number of uh, reputable American institutions, and they not only were able to confirm uh, my father's results, but they were able to take them a step further and get uh, very, very interesting new results and data, uh, all with those little um, natural extracts that my father had perfected. So since your unfortunate father's passing, now, did he actually die from cancer or what what happened there? Yes, what happened is what when when he got arrested, uh, um, they told him, I mean, instead of bringing them right away to to the judge, uh, they told him to stay in the lab over, overnight. They said, it's too late to take you to, to, to the judge. We'll do that tomorrow morning. And they uh, actually radiated the lab. They uh, bring brought a number of uh, people who were uh, going dressed like go- for going to the to the moon and who spread God knows what because nothing about this prank was in the legal file. They spread the laboratory. They sprayed. Uh, they sprayed. Something. They sprayed the laboratory with something, and you and- with something. Who, and, how, and how do you know that they sprayed the laboratory with something? Oh, because, because there came several people who sprayed. I mean, uh, all the witnesses told me. I have, virtu- uh, I have witnesses, uh, but I don't have any information about that in the legal pe- file. Pe- okay, so people that were working at your father's lab at the time or were there yes. in person or whatever, they saw people come in hazmat suits and be spraying down the entire lab with some something. Something. And uh, they ordered my father to stay there overnight. He, and... had, he stayed in the lab overnight? Yes. While yes. They, after they sprayed it with who knows yes. what. Yes. This is it's, this is two, crazy. This story, it's, this story is so crazy. It's like and, out of a, out of a and, terrible movie, spy movie, or something, you know. And two months later, uh, my father, who was really healthy until then, started to have acute myeloid leukemia, mm. and his products were no longer available because the police had seized everything. Wow! There was nothing left. 
Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. That's and crazy. So that's where I started to do my best to produce from here, from New York, uh, as quickly as possible to, and to, to send him something that could help him. But, uh, I mean, just by the time it takes to start a production... It was too late to save him. Wow. I'm sorry. I, I took the case to the European Court of Human Rights. Mm -hmm. And the, the French government has had absolutely nothing to say for their defense. So they started some as many legal shenanigans they could for to delay the, the decision for four years. But in, in the end, we won an unanimous decision, Belgiansky against France, because they had nothing to explain what happened. And so when you say you won in court, what exactly were the charges that, that you had pressed against them? And what did you win? What was the, what was the outcome? Well, we, what, what we won is that uh, they... Uh, did not do anything to give my father his day in court. Mm. They just uh, indicted him and they, they, they waited and waited until he passed away wow. without any day of judgment, like actually he knew he was going to pass away. And that brings us to this uh, mysterious spraying in the laboratory. That's such a sad story. I mean, here's your father basically working to cure cancer and make it affordable and accessible to everybody. And, you know, the government comes in and basically kills him and wipes him out and, and destroys the evidence. Yes. And, and you this, win this it and prove in court and... and don't even give him his day in court. And, um, man, thank God that, uh, you had the courage the to, to pick up where he left off. They destroyed the evidence. They destroyed the man. They did not provide any explanation in, before the court of human rights. Wow. Now, didn't you, didn't you have access to some of his writings and journals and things, and that's where you learned about what he was working on? So, uh, thanks God, I had my mom. And my mom had been working with, along with my father. She was actually his assistant in the lab uh, for almost 50 years. And uh, she helped me to, to understand. It was all, all new for me. I had absolutely, I did not have any uh, uh, scientific background. But once I understood the importance of those discoveries, I made a point to uh, to understand and then to carry uh, further 
the appropriate uh, research program. So I hired a PhD uh, to, to, with a background similar to my father, uh, Dr. John Hall, and he's a, a research di director at the Beljansky Foundation, and he's the one who has uh, made a liaison with a number of academic institutions so we could uh, carry on uh, those scientific programs. And I have to say that I am most proud of the work done by the Belchansky Foundation over, over the years. Every program has um, led to peer-reviewed publications, and we make all those peer-reviewed publications available to all to read, uh, on the website of the foundation, which is belgensky.org, B-E-L-G-E-N-S-K-I.org. So everybody can have access to this, uh, to this research, uh, and, uh, learn from that and download the, uh, the publications and start a conversation with their doctor. Because sometimes, you know, doctors say, oh, don't, don't take anything with, uh, with chemotherapy, don't, don't, don't take anything uh, natural, stop every herb, every supplement. And in fact, there are scientific publications uh, which have been reprinted by NIH who uh, are all about the synergy of action between those uh, natural compounds and various chemotherapies. So that's, I think, something important to know. Uh, and it's, it's, it's available. So talk a little bit about the, the plants that your father studied and that you went on to continue studying, uh, and then producing these scientific research papers on and, and have published in, you know, peer reviewed journals, um, there's there's a few main plants that he took a very special interest in, right? And since then, there have been dozens of studies on these, on different types of cancer and different types of mechanism of action of how they either induce apoptosis and help kill cancer cells or help, you know, uh, reduce or slow angiogenesis and help stop the spread of cancer. A lot of different mechanisms of action you know, immune enhancement, et cetera, et cetera. Talk a little bit about what are those plants and why, if you know why, he took a really special interest in just these ones. Because we know a lot of plants today have, certain, you know, a combination of mechanisms of action against cancer. I mean, we know that nature, through so many different plants, have flavonoids and antioxidants and sulforaphane, for example, in green, dark leafy green vegetables, cruciferous vegetables that help fight against cancer yeah. and certain compounds in mushrooms. And we know so many plants, but these are really the, I never even knew of these plants until I learned about the Beljansky Foundation, at least two of them. I knew about the green teas, the very specific green teas. I've looked at a lot of that research, but these other two plants were very new for me, you know, a few years back. Yeah. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, uh, my, I told you about, uh, how my father made the link between, uh, DNA destabilization and cancer. Uh, so he was able to measure the degree of, uh, destabilization of the DNA and then in, 
compare that with the activity of specific compounds to see if that was effective at preventing the uh, rate, the growth of, of synthesis of cancer DNA. And having that done, he was able to screen for a number of compounds and uh, see how effective they were at preventing, uh, at inhibiting the development of cancer DNA, the rate of synthesis of cancer DNA. And he wanted a compound that would be selective, meaning would not fuel also cancerous cells, would only uh, attack cancerous cells and have no effect on healthy DNA no effect on healthy DNA. That's uh, the, the selectivity of action uh, is really the hallmark of my father's research. Only compounds that attack cancerous cells and have no effect on healthy cells. Because if you have no, um, if you do not attack healthy uh, cells, uh, then you have no toxicity. You eliminate the product within a matter of hours. And no toxicity was something very, very important for, for, for my father. So he, he focused his research on potent, very potent natural compound with no toxicity to healthy cells. And uh, he, he first focused on a um, kind of well-known back in the 80s uh, plant extract called Rovolfia vomitoria. At the time, uh, it was used uh, for uh, blood tension and, and treating hypertension, but there were some reports that it could induce breast cancer. So my father looked into that and he found that within the Rovolfia vomitoria extract, which was at the time on the market, there were two um, alkaloids, one that was indeed uh, very favorable and had anti-cancer properties, and one that could induce cancer. So he eliminated, eliminated alstonine uh, limited reserpine, which he thought was responsible for breast cancer. And he only used um, Rovolfia extract devoid of reserpine and rich in alstonine. And that Rovolfia uh, extract devoid of, of reserpine has proven to be extremely effective against a number of cancerous cell uh, lines and no toxicity on healthy cells. But the purification from the reserpine is uh, a big project, very messy uh, and very expensive. So he looked uh, if he could find another compound, another molecule that would be similar uh, in his uh, chemical, if uh, the, the molecule could be similar to alstonine, and that's how we found flavopererine. And flavopererine 
comes from a bark of a tree in uh, in the Amazon rainforest and uh, called Pau Pereira. And what is beautiful also with those uh, two um, two compounds is that they are coming from nature and also extremely sustainable in their sourcing. Uh, the Rovolfia vomitoria grows like uh, weeds in Africa. And the paupera, because you only take the bark of the tree, if you leave at least 20% of the bark on the tree, it will regrow by itself. So it is really an image of uh, nature's bounty to uh, give us those compounds uh, and in a very sustainable way, knowing that uh, they destroy a large number of cancerous cells without toxicity, without side effects. So Rowolfia vomitoria, even if you go to um, WebMD, for example, which is not generally very friendly for natural uh, plant medicine, but I found this really fascinating. Even on WebMD, for example, uh, they say right here, contains chemicals that lower blood pressure, kill cancer cells and bacteria, and help with brain function. Um, right here, kill cancer cells. I mean, for WebMD to say that about a plant uh, is actually pretty pretty fascinating. Now, the... The precautions they say they say it could possibly be unsafe because it indeed. could because it could, indeed, could have because, side effects. Yes, because indeed there is a long story from the eighties with uh, with a razorpine. Razorpine. How do you spell razorpine? What is that? R e s e r p i n e. Okay. Yep, I remember re reading about that a couple of years ago. So reserpine, reserpine has been uh, linked. It's a main alkaloid of Rovolfia. So that's the one which is traditionally associated to, to Rovolfia vomitoria. And uh, it is the one that my father deemed to be toxic and to induce cancer. So that's the one we remove from uh, the Rovolfia vomitoria that extracts that we use now for research. And when you have a Revolfia extract with no reserpine, but rich in alstonine, which is a secondary alkaloid of Revolfia vomitoria, then you have these wonderful properties of killing cancerous cells. And we have been able to uh, work on prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, uh, with different universities and all that has been published. So now it's available. And uh, I believe that's why uh, even Web WebMD is acknowledging those results. So if someone just wants to go out and buy Rewalfia vomitaria, they have to be really careful in using it because large doses could possibly have serious side effects if it has the alkaloid pin yes. in it which 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 it generally will unless it's an extract from the plant where that's been removed just as your Absolutely. father just as your father has 
Absolutely. So it's really important to look for something reserpine-free. Now, Rewalfia vomitoria, is there, I've, I've searched before, is there like a common, I know it's a, this is a plant that's common, like you said, it grows like a weed in Africa. Is there a common name for it? It's such a tongue twister name and hard for people to remember. Is there a more common name for it that you know of? Because I couldn't find one. No, no, I, I don't think there is. Uh, like you have, you know, for herbs, it's like you got cilantro, chickweed, oregano, yeah, simple names, you know. <laughs> I know, but uh, no, unfortunately not for this one. So uh, on so I other- think I think you need to come up with a name for it and coin the name for it and uh and give it a new name i think i think you have you deserve the 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 uh the crown to to rename <laughs> this plant with a common name <laughs> that's an idea that's an that idea. needs it uh, call it cancer, the hand. cancer killer plants or something like that you know something easy uh, to remember on the other hand the other uh powerful alkaloids that uh, my father worked with uh uh, the, the tree from the Amazon, the Latin name is Gesospermum velozii, and the uh, vulgar name, it is no, I mean, people remember more, is Pau Pereira. And Pau Pereira, Pau Pereira yeah. yeah the, so this Pau Pereira is coming from, from the Amazon rainforest and uh, yield uh, an extract, um, an extract which is rich in flavopyrrhine, and that's the, the flavopyrrhine is the alkaloid which has been studied for also uh, now being able to fight a number of cancerous cells, large number of cancerous cells, um, uh, without toxicity, without side effect, and the synergy uh, with chemotherapies also has been documented. So Pau Pereira doesn't isn't necessarily have to be an extract where they remove anything from it. It's is it the whole no. plant that they use? They use uh, no. It's a specific. There is a specific extraction procedure from the bark. From the it bark. is the bark oh. that okay. is being used. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the, the, the Revolfia vomitoria is difficult to process because we want to eliminate the toxic molecule. And the power Pereira is more difficult to source. So there is no, no perfect thing to work with, but they are both two beautiful, beautiful plant extracts. Uh, and what we have uh, been able to do um, is that to study the mechanism of action. And we have seen that not only it's working on different cancerous cells, but there are also um, multiple mechanism of action. Uh, you mentioned apoptosis. Yes, both extracts also induce apoptosis, but also autophagy of cancerous cells and uh, and inhibition of, um, of um, angiogenesis. Angiogenesis, that's for uh, ginkgo biloba. Uh, but there are, there are multiple mechanisms of actions that have been studied, and uh, all the publications are on belgiansky.org. And didn't you find that when these two plants are taken together, there's also a synergistic effect against cancer that happens? Y- yes, because not uh, they have similar mechanisms of action, but they are not exactly similar. So Pau Pereira, I would say, kills the first generation 
of cancerous cells. And Rovolfia vomitoria prevents the occurrence of a second generation. So it's like a little bit of razor with two, two, bl two, two blends, uh, and together they are very, very effective. So that's why we, we, we are, um, looking into, uh, putting those extracts together with the green tea for a new upcoming research project. What we have seen uh, studying Paupera and Rovolfia vomitoria, that they were effective against different uh, kind of cancerous cells. And I, I, working both in synergy with chemotherapies, but they were also active against cancer stem cells. And that's very, very important yeah. because uh, chemotherapies do not destroy cancer stem cells. Right. Cancer stem cells are those um, cancerous cells within a tumor which are more aggressive than the other uh, cancerous cells. They are able to resist chemotherapy and most treatments, and uh, they stay in the blood. They may travel in the blood and create a new tumor. So that's the metastasis or the relapse, whatever you name it. But it means in plain language that the cancer comes back and that's the biggest fear of cancer survivors. There are more and more um, cancer cases. We live in a more and more toxic environment, more and more people uh, receive one day or another a cancer diagnosis. The good news is that there are more and more cancer survivors also. But all those people, millions of people are living in fear, and rightly so, because they receive a, a, um, chemotherapy, and chemotherapy is not destroying cancer stem cells. That doesn't mean that we have uh, out of resources and we just have to live in fear and, uh, and light a candle uh, hope, and hope for the best. We, uh, what we have been able to document, study and document and publish about is that uh, those two extracts, the uh, Pao Pereira and the Rovolfia vomitoria I just spoke about, are both able to destroy cancer stem cells. And we know also that they are not toxic, and so there is no side effect. These studies have been conducted at Kansas University Medical Center and uh, in vitro and in vivo on mice. And we studied um, pancreatic and ovarian um, cancer stem cells. So very, very nice uh, results uh, there. And uh, we, we what we would like to do now is uh, to look at breast cancer stem cells because breast cancer has become the uh, most common cancer in, in women and women are the most uh, uh, common gender now on, on earth. Uh, about 52% of humans are female. Uh, so um, I think it is time to uh, look at what we can do to uh, prevent breast cancer metastasis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and who knows? That percentage could just keep going up and up if more men are deciding to become women as well. Women could just rule the whole world. So we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully not. Actually, actually, uh, there is an increasing number of men also who uh, get diagnosed with um, with breast cancer diagnosis. Right. And I think, I think it has a lot to do with the you know, the phthalates and the, and the parabens and the xenoestrogens that are from the plastics and the toxins yeah. that are in our environment that are literally causing, you know, men to, to produce more estrogen. I mean, these, these estrogen mimicking xenoestrogens that are found in our, in our plastics and a lot of the man-made chemicals, we know that they attach to the estrogen receptors in the brain in the brain and the body and can produce excessive amounts of estrogen in the body and um you know we know and breast cancer is an estrogen related very not not all but there are estrogen related breast cancers um so I, you know, I think that's i think that's contributing to it and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that as well i wanted to share this real quick it's it's really exciting to find something that is showing success against cancer stem cells because as you said if you do chemotherapy or radiation and you don't and they don't kill the cancer stem cells which we know they very often don't the literature even says it you know chemotherapy doesn't kill cancer stem cells that stem cell will and very often does grow more cancer that's what the stem cell does it allows more cancer to grow as you were just talking about and can lead to metastasis can can lead to new tumors growing uh, even if you blast out the cancer with chemotherapy, radiation, even cut it out with surgery, you're still leaving the stem cells there. And so the rate of recurrence, the rate of relapse is very high in certain cancers. For those of you watching, you know, here are, here's the table of recurrence. Bladder cancer is a 50% recurrence rate even after a cystectomy, meaning they literally remove your bladder you still got a flip of a coin of the cancer coming back. Breast cancer has a 30% recurrence rate. Uh, colon cancer, 17%. And that's even after they call it, even after they do curative surgery, it still has a 17% recurrence rate. Glioblastomas, brain cancer has nearly a 100% recurrence rate yeah. if you do con conventional therapies. Yeah, um, and I would like to say for glioblastomas, my father did uh, some, some research on the specific cancer and pauperera uh, crosses the blood-brain barrier and uh, destroys uh, glioblastoma cancer cells. Wow! So that uh, yeah, so that, uh, glioblastoma is uh, is something that uh, don't don't get despaired. Well, and you were talking about okay, the upcoming study that the foundation is doing is on breast cancer stem cells. Yes, you know, breast 30%, cancer. 30%. That's, that's, I mean, it's basically one in three people. You go get chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, um, and, you know, one in three chance that the cancer is going to come back. The other one that you've already published research on was, uh, was it prostate cancer or pancreas? Pancreatic. Well, for the cancer of stem cells, we did ovarian, which is 80%, and pancreatic. Yeah, ovarian cancer, 85% recurrence if you do conventional yeah. therapy. And then pancreatic cancer, which is a very challenging cancer. Even, yes. even, after, even one year after curative surgery, 
literally they say they cured it with surgery. 36% recurrence, 38% local recurrence after chemotherapy, and 46% dysmetastasis after it. It's almost up to 50% recurrence. Again, people go, well, why? Why? I mean, these are supposed to be curative therapies, or these are supposed to, you know, even if you do the chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, and, and and they say, hey, your cancer's gone, your margins are clean, you know, you're good to go, but you don't change anything that led to the cancer in the first place. You don't change the diet and clean up the toxins and improve your lifestyle and start implementing, you know, an anti-cancer lifestyle as, as we teach through all of my courses and programs and books. And as you talk about in your book, you know, and you don't add in these herbs and supplements and different things that can help your body fight against cancer, your odds of the cancer coming back are so high. We just looked at them and... A big part of it is because you haven't done anything about the cancer stem cells. So this research, you've already shown these plants can help um, inhibit the cancer stem cells. Now, I was reading the paper, and I don't remember what was the what were the the results. What's the conclusion? The results and the percentage, the statistics that you, that you saw with palpuraria and uh, pancreatic cancer stem cells. Oh, it's uh, a, a load. It's uh, con- con- uh, killing um, se- something like 70-80% of cancerous cells. And when you uh, add chemotherapy, you are uh, in the like 97-98%. Oh, wow. So, the, so it's killing the 70 plus percent of the cancer cells. What about the stem cells? Well, the cancer stem cells, uh, it's it's about 70% of the cancer stem cells mm. which, are, which are being killed. Wow. In, in mice, in one experiment. That was in mice. If you, if, if you continue longer, probably you would kill, kill, I mean, all of them. But we, we had to, we had a three-week program to oh, see. Oh, that was only in three weeks in mice. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's exciting. That's revolutionary. I mean, this should be on the front page of every newspaper, every magazine, every CNN, NBC, Fox, you name it. it should be shouting this from the rooftops. It's like, look, we have these plants from nature right here that are showing incredible results against cancer, and uh, and they don't cost you $10,000 or $100,000 a dose like chemotherapy does, and they don't have any toxicity. You know, this is just it's incredible. Um, yeah, and with those mice, they were fed the product, which is important because it's a similar route that uh, what humans would do when they take plant extracts. They weren't they weren't injected with it. You're saying they were no. fed it as you they know. They were fed just just like you would take pills with a like plant a ca- extract, like a capsule, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about this this um, breast cancer research project. You know if if it comes to show as uh, as we believe it will that it also inhibits breast cancer stem cells i mean you know breast cancer unfortunately is the number one cancer of of women and if we have a natural resource for helping you know basically fight against and even kill the cancer cells and cancer stem cells that's accessible and affordable and non-toxic um, and it shows that it can 
help stop the the cancer stem cells in breast cancer it's huge it's i mean millions yeah. and millions of women can benefit from this because as you said 30 percent are uh, are going to develop metastasis if we do nothing but a hundred percent live in fear of metastasis yeah so it's actually a hundred percent of those women that we can help by giving them the confidence that there is something they can do to avoid the the metastasis to to happen rather than sitting like a like a lame duck yeah yeah now i know you know the um the conference that we're producing coming up is you know the beljansky integrative cancer conference it's a nonprofit conference produced through the Beljansky Foundation, a nonprofit that does the scientific research. The, the proceeds from that conference are going to help fund the Breast Cancer Stem Cell Research Project, which is exciting. So people who want to help support that cancer stem cell research with these natural plant extracts, you can support the conference by attending the conference, which you will learn so much about integrative and natural and holistic solutions for cancer from leading edge doctors from all over the world and, and, and uh, cancer conquerors and survivors. Um, you can attend it in person uh, or you can get a live stream ticket. You could buy live stream tickets and um, for other people as well, you can attend the gala dinner uh, or you can just donate, donate to the mission, to the cause and to the foundation. And those funds go to um, actually making this research project happen. So that's um, you can find out more about that at integrativecancerconference.com for the conference. And then there's a link there you'll see to the Breast Cancer Research Project for people who want to learn more about that. I recommend people go take a look at that, integrativecancerconference.com. Um, I want to talk about uh, some of the green teas that uh, your father studied and that you've continued the research through the foundation because we know yes. green tea has, you know, incredible benefits for longevity and immune enhancement and anti-cancer properties. But your father studied a whole bunch of different green teas, right? And then found, and the foundation through your work have also compared to other different types of green teas and found four specific green teas to be yeah. the most effective against cancer. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, back in the 80s, uh, the green tea was already well known for the antioxidant properties, uh, but it has never been really studied uh, at length for, for cancer. Uh, my father was invited to, in Ch to China to go to China for some research program. And at the end of the, the, the trip, he was uh, presented with a big box of uh, the best Chinese green teas, a little uh, thank you gift. And when he came back to, to France, uh, he went to the Pasteur Institute and he tested with the test he had cre created to, uh, for, to test molecules for their uh, anti-cancer uh, properties, anti-cancer potential. He tested all the green teas that were in the box. And uh, he selected four, you cut out there for a second, but what yes. I think you said was he selected the four that he found out of all those teas he tested to have the most anti-cancer properties, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. And uh, he was very busy at the time. That's when he started to have some problems with the French government. So he put his, this piece of paper in a drawer and uh, the piece of paper remained there until the French army came to raid the laboratory. And uh, then the piece of paper fell on the floor. It was left there until the, uh, the secretary came to clean up a little bit the place. She found the piece of paper. She says this may be useful one day. She puts that in a box. The box goes into a garage for almost 20 years. And then they decided that they have enough pets garage for long enough, they don't need it anymore, what to do with the box, and I received the box in New York, and I opened the box, and I found this piece of paper with my father's handwriting, the list of the T's, and next to four of them, très, très anti-C, which in French means very, very anti-C, and knowing my father, anti-C could only mean anti-cancer. So uh, what does it mean, actually, in scientific terms? Very, very anti-cancer. This is not something measured. This is how much is very, very. So we we decided to uh, make a mix of those four green teas that my father had selected. And we sent that to Kansas University Medical Center, along with a sample of Lipton, of Kusmi and of Bigelow. And we ask them to compare on different kind of cancer cell lines. Uh, there was breast, of course, uh, metastatic breast cancer. There was colon, bladder, and four lines of melanoma. And it turned out that the mix of, uh, cancer, of uh, green teas that we actually called Oncoti uh, was uh, most effective uh, than all the other T's on all the cancer cell lines. So indeed, that's what my father called uh, uh, very, very anti-C. And then we had, you know, some data and some point of comparison. So uh, what we want to do with cancer stem cells is to mix uh, the Pau Pereira extract, the Revolfia vomitoria, and the green tea extract, because uh, an extract of those four teas, uh, to, um, together. And because we think it's going to be the most effective weapon uh, to fight uh, breast cancer stem cells. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors, and survivors. Exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at HealingLife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, 
diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity. All of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. The pancreatic uh, research that was done included those those teas with also the palpare and the Rewalfrey vomitaria as well? No, for the research that we have done on pancreatic and ovarian cancer stem cells, we studied separately Pauperera and Revolfia vomitoria. So we have publicated mm. on, on each of them. We never mixed uh, the, the extracts because scientists do not like to mix. They like to, to know exactly what is active and then study the specific mechanism of action. Very often, I mean, uh, uh, enfin, conventional scientists will say, no, you cannot really study uh, natural plant extracts because there is a mixture of alkaloids and they want to know which one, which molecule is actually the one which is active. Uh, in this case, we believe that it doesn't matter so much. I mean, if it is a paupera, the revolfia vomitoria, the, the, the green tea, which is going to be the most active, or if they are going to work uh, in different mechanism of action, what we want to see is results and help women. And we believe that we have uh, three good plant extracts, which uh, all three of them have a good history, scientific history showing activity against breast cancer and breast cancer stem cells. And uh, that's why we have decided to mix them for the first time and try to provide uh, women with something that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You've already studied each one of these ingredients individually. So why not mix them together and see what happens um, with with the thought and the intent that there's going to be a synergistic um, benefit that happens from from using them together. So, of course, it makes clear logical sense. Uh, it'll be really, you know, uh, exciting to see what the results show. If it actually improves... Uh, if it's similar to past studies, if you get like a major synergistic blend, you know, synergistic thing that happens, you know, is there some unknown side effects that you don't know about? Highly unlikely because none of these have side effects by themselves anyway. Yes. Right. So, um, but the, the, the four types of green tea, right. That I think that's important. That people know those types of green tea is, is gunpowder, dragon well, Ceylon and B. Lao Chun, right? And all of those are organic, by the way. None of them are conventional. They're all organic. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You want to avoid pesticides and also stuff that actually are known to induce cancer. So, of course, you, you have to, to uh, like, I mean, if, so what you take to, to help you fight uh, cancer is, is not organic, then uh, doesn't you get it all wrong. Yeah. So how has it been for you taking the helm of your father's research, you know, going through that whole traumatic experience of 
seeing all his life's work destroyed by the government that he was even trying to help, you know, seeing his, his lab destroyed and his research destroyed and, and then him, you know, shockingly dying shortly after that, never getting his day in court. And then here you are you know, uh, taking on this battle. I mean, how has that been like for you? I was terrified. Uh, I did not know any much about those ingredients, except that the government did not want to hear about them. <laughs> they did not want them, and they were willing to to kill people uh, who were trying to develop that. So it it was really really scary to make the decision to to carry on. It was also very uh, scary to make the decision to. Uh, leave my job as a lawyer and mm. trying to uh, make a, they devote, devote my, my life to that without knowing if I could make a living. Uh, so it, it was scary, but uh, I always felt that it was the right thing to do. And uh, that was actually a feeling strong enough for me to, um, to know Right away, actually, I, I did hesitate for, for 30, 40 seconds. And then I knew that uh, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I was going to do. And uh, this decision what was made in 98, actually, uh, uh, right after my father's passing, that I was going to, to carry on and devote my life to that. And uh, I had absolutely no no regret i absolutely no regret i have to say that i've been very lucky to be in in the states uh, what i am doing now uh, it would not never never been possible if i had not come to the united states but uh, the, the, the i mean the american system is not perfect there is a lot of censorship sometimes against especially dietary supplements a manufacturer is not allowed to make any health claims even if they have been uh, documented because that could transform the product into an uh, an uh, an allowed drug but uh, it's still heaven compared to compared to europe mm. so uh, i think uh, american i'm very grateful for what america uh, gave me the opportunities I have had to work with a number of American institutions. Uh, I have seen scientists, when, when you remove the political layer around the name of Beljansky that you find in, in France, uh, I have, there was no, no problem. I found scientists to be really open-minded, to be really genuinely interested, to be the first to study uh, uh, the, the, the effectiveness of those compounds, for example, on cancer stem cells. They love to uh, be the first one to publish on something new. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I had no, had no no big problem in, Af in America. It has been now uh, almost 25 years. And uh, America has been really the land of opportunity for, for me and for the Beljansky Foundation. And being able to do this conference uh, in Jacksonville and in three days uh, with the best, uh, the, the best speakers, the best experts, sometimes coming from around the world, 
from clinic in Germany, for example. Uh, I, I think that's uh, very, very exciting. And uh, it shows that here a lot of things are possible that would not still be possible in the States. So cherish this freedom. Mm. Cherish this freedom. Cultivate it because it's not a given. Yeah, I mean, that's really refreshing to hear and and shocking at the same time. I mean, you know, I grew up in the United States. I've been here my whole life. I visited a few other countries, but, you know, I mostly know the United States. And, you know, this kind of jaded perception that I and many others have today is, you know, especially now that we've gone through this whole COVID period where we saw mass censorship, we saw firsthand you know, the government lying to us and, and silencing hundreds of doctors and scientists who were speaking out against, you know, what the what the mainstream public was being told about COVID and the shots and the effectiveness and, you know, basically being lied to and and feeling like, man, we live in a place that, yes, I love our freedom here and I love our I love so much about the United States. That's why I still live here. Um, and at the same time, I feel like many of those freedoms are being taken away right in front of us. Our ability to to share truth with others is being censored and taken away. Our ability to um, make certain choices for ourselves and for our health is being taken away. Mandates are being put in place. My big concern is for my children, right? Just for them to go to school, you know, we have to go to a doctor and get certain letters and, and things like that to allow them into school, be, you know, because we don't want them getting these certain shots that are being mandated to kids to go to school and on and on and on. So it's like part of me as an American who's lived here my whole life, who has seen this ever since, you know, I turned 18 and got interested in natural health and started researching and, and experimenting. So over 17, 18 years now in this space um, feeling like, yeah, there's a lot that's being taken away. And yet then to hear you and your dad's story and what you went through and then come here and to be able to do what you've been able to do so far um, is, is definitely refreshing and, and amazing and incredible to hear. I mean, I don't take this freedom for granted. And in fact, I do think more of our freedoms are being taken away if we don't actually stand up and do something about it. It, it is really, really important to uh, keep fighting for them. Uh, it's not, it's not granted. It's uh, we have to be vig vigilant every day and trying to push gently the envelope every day to make sure that uh, there is no encroachment into into the, our our freedoms because indeed there is a big consolidation uh, of uh, between pha big pharma uh, pha big pharmaceutical companies tech companies and government and they speak between big entities and then everything which is that is not in the room between those uh, big people uh, is uh, tends to be to be crushed. Uh, because it's all about them, and they have the power to to rule the world. So why why wouldn't they? Uh, that, but if we want to continue to exist, if we want to be able to uh, be able to continue uh, to say our truth, we have to do it. 
we have to exercise it. And that's why I do believe that what we are doing at the Beljansky Foundation, which is speaking about science, having a good quality science and speaking about science is so important because, I mean, speaking about published peer-reviewed publications is still allowed. Uh, as long as you do not make a link with a specific product, a, a specific brand, it's still allowed. It was so, allowed until COVID. And what I saw, at least on social media, what I did, and so here's what I started doing in like 2020, 2021. I was sharing peer-reviewed science and I would I would find a journal, I'd find an article and I would report on it and I would talk about it and I would do a video about it and I'd put it up on my social media about this study that was done a decade ago in a university that showed masks literally had no benefit against a respiratory illness from the kids in the university who wore masks from the ones who didn't wear masks. And I, and I didn't say, you know, masks, I said, here's a study that shows that masks in this case didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I did a study. I shared a study on that. I shared, you know, studies on, on things that are peer reviewed and didn't, mm-hmm. s- didn't say that they, you know, this study proves X, Y, Z about COVID or whatever. Right. I was just sharing these studies and by sharing those studies because they, they insinuated um, and would make somebody believe an intelligent person logically believe that, Oh, this same thing happened here was well, very unlikely that it's going to be different over here. Just because it was that close, they shut down my YouTube account for eight months. They deleted multiple Instagram accounts. Uh, they put me in Facebook jail, you know, and that's, that's all I was doing was sharing studies. So that's my concern is up until COVID we've been able to, and now it's like, we're kind of in this, we're treading, thin water right now you know but it's great to see somebody like bobby kennedy out there who's who's you know running for president who can actually now finally have his decades of research and experience be shared publicly to millions and millions and millions of people because they can't shut him up you know he's running for president they can try and censor and shut him down but there are too many big podcasts you know the the big interview he did on joe rogan was fantastic i encourage mm-hmm. people to listen to that but you know i don't know if you saw recently but um peter hotez who's you know a top leading um quote unquote expert on covid and covid vaccines uh and you know, has called out Joe Rogan and Bobby Kennedy for misinformation and, and, you know, misleading people. And so Joe Rogan said, Hey, Hotez, I will give you a hundred thousand dollars just to come to my podcast and interview with debate with Bobby Kennedy. And, um, Hotez said, no, I'm not basically said, no, I'm not going to do it. So a, something like a dozen other you know, multimillionaires and billionaires, uh, including Musk and, and others, have put up hundreds of thousands of dollars each, now putting it to over $2.5 million in the pot to go to Peter Hotez or his basically his charity of choice just to show up at Joe Rogan's podcast and debate uh, Bobby Kennedy about uh, COVID and, yeah. and the shots, right? And he still won't do it. That's got to tell you something. It's got to tell you yeah, something. Why, he doesn't have to prove anything. All he has to do is show up and he gets $2.5 million, but he won't do it. Um, 
and yet they will still come out and try to censor people who are saying anything otherwise yeah. and shut down accounts. And, you know, we, we, we're in a really dangerous time right now. Um, where these... when you, the people who, I mean, as, as you said, your YouTube account, your Facebook account, all that are private companies and they are doing the bidding of the government, yeah. but they are not the government. They uh, obey to different rules that which belong to uh, private companies. So they do basically whatever they want. In fact, they are doing what the government wants. We, we know all know that. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's how, how it works. Uh, at the at another level, I mean, if there is a, a free platform of social media, or if you choose other ways to communicate at the level of the FTC, I mean, you can still speak. I have to say about research. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I mean. That's one right we need protected. You know, freedom absolutely. of speech. Freedom of speech. Abs like absolutely. We need that right protected, uh, 100%. And if we start giving that up, you know, people today who are out there promoting censorship and say, oh, yeah, you should, you should ban, I don't care what you think about Donald Trump, but banning him from, from Twitter and saying, no, you should not have him on there. He should not be able to speak his mind. It's the most insane, stupid thing you could ever, you could ever do because if they do that to him, for whatever political reasons, or they disagree with him, or don't like him, or whatever, uh, the next person they can do it to as well, and then they can do it to you. So the moment that you want to shut somebody up, unless they are really very specifically, you know, causing true danger and harm to others, if they're just speaking their mind, we need that. We want that. You want to be able to see what people are, are speaking. So you go, Oh, that guy's actually very stupid. I don't want to follow him. You know what I mean? <laughs> or that guy sounds really, really smart and intelligent. I want to learn more about him. We need both sides of that. Um, you know, I was talking with someone the other day and they're like, Oh, they, they should, you know, these guys were driving up and down the street, the trucks all front end, all jacked up and big, loud, um, exhaust and burn, bumping music. And it was really obnoxious and annoying. And, and I didn't like it. And he didn't either. But he's like, oh, they, they should arrest all these people and get rid of this right now. And he was all pissed off. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but they're if they're following the law, which I didn't know, but I think they were, then they are exercising their freedom of choice, their freedom of expression, their freedom of communication, whatever that way that is. We may not like it, but the moment that you want to censor them from doing something that isn't harming other people then you're opening the door for that to happen to you for things that you like to do that others don't like. Yeah. And so, and, and then we end up living, being all the same, living all the same. And there is one way of life, one way of thinking, one, one way of everything, which is the one which is, and everything else is banned, forbidden. And we live in a chain. Yeah. I mean, you know, China's an example, Russia's an example. Um, you know, where your your opinions and thoughts, if you have any dissent against the government whatsoever and what they're doing, um, you know, they they can take serious action against you and, and make you disappear or shut you down from society. You know, that's not what we want here in the United States. That's not what we stand for. You know, we need freedom of speech and we need freedom of, of, of research into natural products as we're doing. So that is exciting that, that we can continue to do this research and help spread it 
and share it with doctors and scientists and people all over the world. I mean, that is really, really exciting and something to be grateful for. Um, so what is your, what's your dream for the foundation? Like what's your big vision? Like what, what would you love to see happen with all of this research that's going on through the foundation? Well, what I would like to see is uh, more people to be informed uh, about this research and uh, and take advantage of those, those results. Uh, I would like to see uh, integrative medicine becoming uh, more mainstream. I would like to have more people wondering why they have cancer. Uh, in conventional medicine, uh, is about treating the symptom. When it comes to cancer, it means cutting the tumor. They do nothing indeed about why you, the tumor came in the first place, and they do nothing to prevent the tumor to come back after they cut it. So uh, I would like to have more people wondering about those, those issues and taking action and seeing less less cancer around us. Uh, it's going to be more and more difficult. I mean, what we see also in the food revolution, the, the tech revolution, where they are trying to give us now to feed us with insects, which are going to be filled with parasites and, and things like that. It's going to create uh, more, more issues, vitamin deficiencies, and so on. It's going to be very, very difficult to become healthy and uh, to stay healthy and uh, having a good knowledge of about the natural resources and what we can do at our level without taking drugs all the time is getting more and more important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and cancer is primarily a preventable disease. If we take care of ourselves, if we eat a healthy, whole food, nutrient-dense diet, if we get exercise and sunshine every day and we sleep seven to nine hours of good sleep each night and we reduce our toxic burden, uh, you know, we add in some of these um, natural plants and extracts and teas every day, we know that most cancers can be prevented. I mean, over 95% can be prevented. We know that over 95% are not even hereditary. They are diet and lifestyle. They go beyond genetics. So, you know, education is so, so important and not only education, but then actually doing something about it, you know, sharing this with other people, taking action, making the changes in the diet and in the lifestyle, adding in the plants into your life and, and um, you know, just simple things. I mean, it's amazing how simple it is to actually be healthy and yet how confused most people are. And I think most of that is just because you know, of profiteering corporations. I think that's it. Yeah. That's really and what's people, confused people more than anything. And people need to be educated about what is good and healthy for them because indeed the, 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 the advertisement of uh, corporate uh, corporations uh, makes everything blurry. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's like, there are good companies making profit, doing really good things for people. And then there are companies that are basically killing people slowly. Um, you know, and that's when, when I say profiteering, by the way, I just want to clarify for people tuning in. It's like, I don't have any problem with companies profiting. Uh, but when I say profiteering, I mean, it's the companies that are 
making massive amounts of profit off the backs of, of people off of their, uh, you know, by yeah. actually causing more harm in their life than good. And we see that yeah. again and, and, and again. And again. Sick for life and clients for life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, well, um, I love what the Bill Jancy Foundation is doing and has been doing. I think the work you have stepped into as your life calling furthering your father's research is not only courageous and incredibly brave, but um, very honorable and, and necessary and important. I'm honored to, you know, consider you a friend and colleague and, and be a part of this mission with you. And you know, I am very grateful that, uh, I mean, American, young American like you, a new generation uh, gets involved, uh, aware of this uh, research and involved into promoting it and making a, a new project, this new project happen. I mean, I'm extremely grateful because uh, otherwise, I, I mean, I try to carry on and other generation after my father, but after if a new generation like like you is not ready to carry on, it's, it will end up with, with me and with my, my efforts. It's going to be the, the end of it. Uh, I will not be able to carry on for, for forever. So I am really uh, relying uh, on a young generation like yours to um, to understand what this is about, uh, the importance of this research and carrying on with a message. So I'm very grateful to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm honored. And I think, as I've said before, science is kind of the modern language. It's the language of our modern day. So it really helps support the things that we, we may intuitively know or that our ancestors have known for a long time. The science helps support that and back it up. So um, I think that the foundation will continue this work, hopefully for generations, and we will move this natural, <coughs> excuse me, education into the mainstream. So millions and millions and millions and millions of people know that this exists. So again, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax 
and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved. <laughs>